Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition. We've got a very special show for you today. We have a guest coming to us all the way from Barcelona, Spain. Welcome to the show, Billy Kiels. Hey, Victor. Thanks so much. Really excited to, uh, to be here to talk to you. Great to have you back on the show. Well, Billy, we are in the midst of an unprecedented time in modern history. All of us are feeling the impact of the COVID-19 outbreak and the COVID-19 pandemic. And nowhere is that more true than in Spain. Spain is in a world of hurt right now, up there with Italy, up there with parts of the United States. This is obviously not going to be an evergreen show because it's at a particular point in time. But I would love to get your perspective on what you're seeing on the ground, what life's been like for you in Barcelona over the last several weeks since things have been locked down and how the situation's unfolded. Sure, Victor. Happy to share. And I mean, it's it's really been a it's kind of a tale of two cities. On my in my own case, uh, I was if I think about a month ago, I was actually on the beach in Maui with my wife. When we came back to Barcelona, we just started hearing more about things that were happening in Italy, and we were able to move freely per se. People were able to go to work, and um, in just a couple of days thereafter is really when the when things spread from Italy to Madrid specifically, as more and more cases started to show up in Madrid, it was pretty clear that cities like Barcelona, where there's a lots of transit between Madrid and Barcelona on a daily basis, that it would be here pretty quickly. As we were living in a free moving society, we started noticing that it went to, um, you, you could go to the office where there were specific people that had the opportunity to work remotely, it was requested, and there's been a constant evolution to now to the point of today, where unless you are an essential business, and that primarily means that we are able to go to the grocery store or to the pharmacy, and you can go to those two places. You can also go to two other places, but it's highly discouraged. Uh, number one, you can go to the doctor's office uh, that you need to have prior approval in order to be able to do that. And you can go to the hospital provided you have been pre-screened and you're able to go there. But aside from that, it's really we're being asked to stay at home. Uh, We're not able to go outside, no exercise. Uh, Exercise needs to be done in the house. And so it's really quarantine. You know, we're we're really on a quarantine situation right now. I've heard that some communities have instituted uh, electronic monitoring of that, or, you know, you need special permission in some cases. Is that the case for you as well? So, and it's a great point, Victor. One of the things that we've now, and it's really been about the last two weeks, it's been instituted that you must, if you leave the home, so there's an application that you have to download and fill out to be able to demonstrate exactly where you live. So for instance, one of the places we can go is to the grocery store. So unless I have this application filled out, which states where I live, so, so what they want to do is avoid that I'm walking across the city five kilometers to go to the grocery store on the other side. So unless I have that app downloaded, filled out, yeah, I'm not supposed to be going to any of the other places. So yeah, that's, that's one of the controls that they now have put into place and are enforcing. They're definitely enforcing it. Wow. Wow. We're seeing images, certainly seeing the numbers of a tremendous amount of overwhelm in the healthcare system, in particular in Spain. I know that Spain was a little bit slow to close things down. They held festivals in Valencia and various other places throughout February when other countries had already start to close things down. Uh, what's been the impact of that from your point of view? It's one of those things where the upfront, the more that 
where we've seen cases, and I know they talk about South Korea a lot, where right up front, there have been really definite confinements and inability to move freely, they have had less cases. Now, I guess as we look back on things, those attending music concerts in Valencia or wherever else or sporting events, that definitely can't be one of the things that helped to confine the spread of the, uh, of the COVID. So very quickly, they, they stopped those types of things when they realized, hey, listen, we probably shouldn't be doing public gatherings. So it was something that I would say, and I'm not uh, a medical professional or anything like that, but it can't help right? When you're allowing people to continue to move around freely. And I think that's one of the reasons today that Spain, and I think recently I've seen it's roughly over uh, 115 or 116,000 cases. And when you put that into perspective as a country of about 46 or 47 million people, um, that's relatively high given the circumstances. And there's, unfortunately, I've seen around 10,500 people that have passed away as a result of the COVID. In just a few weeks. Yeah, in just a few weeks. Yeah. That's the frightening part here because we still have infection rates that are a very small percentage of the total population and the case fatality rate is off the charts. Yeah, that's I think that's the bigger thing is is the the fatality rate based on the number of people that are actually infected. That and 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 folks that have comorbidities who have other complicating issues, other health issues, if you layer this on top of that, the chances of survival plummet very very quickly from everything that I've been reading and from folks that I've been talking to. You know, the healthcare system in Spain uh, is one of the better ones in Europe, by yes. you know, for sure. And yet they too are really struggling to keep up with the numbers and I'm sure having to make difficult decisions. What's been your perspective on that? So, so there's a couple of things um, in terms of just Spain does have one of the better healthcare systems in, in Europe. And it's very clear that they're because of this lack of infrastructure that they're just being overwhelmed. Uh, for instance, the there's one of the main uh, areas for large conventions in Madrid that has now been used. The Congress Center has now been used as a as a hospital for for those that have been uh, taken ill from the COVID nineteen. So you see that the the infrastructure is not there. I used to look at this as numbers and just really sharing a personal story, Victor. Um, unfortunately, we've had someone that is part of our family that has um, unfortunately lost a battle to COVID-19. And so you start to see that a lot of the numbers that we talk about when there's actually a, a first and last name attached to those, it really helps to reinforce each person taking their role and responsibility of helping to not allow this this virus to continue to spread. And And also, I think that's what's helping so many more people really stay at home in spite of what are very difficult conditions. I mean, most people in Spain or any place in, in, in here in Europe, we like living in the center of the city, but we also like being able to get out and socialize. So that's made it, uh, made it a bit of a challenge. And, and yes, so there's been a number of things that, uh, that have helped us to also realize that we need to do our part. Well, tell us the story of this person who lost the battle with COVID-19, if you can share that. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, someone who had previous ailments, and the person went in, the family member went in and was there on a, uh, I believe it was a Friday evening and had been diagnosed. Then uh, Saturday morning seemed to be doing very well, was able to eat on their own. And then by Saturday evening, there was a decision that had to be made by medical professionals, whether or not the, the, the person could have or the family member could have a 
a respirator, one of the breathing machines, um, but because of the probability being lower of being able to survive, the, the decision was made to just help him to, to live his last couple of hours on earth in the most comfortable way possible. And so that really puts things into perspective. And it's one of the main reasons, Victor, that it's really helped me to say, as someone who is not in a high risk category, that even though it's really uncomfortable to be confined in the home, that I want to do my part to make sure that I'm not someone who is spreading this to someone who is unfortunately in a higher risk category than, than myself. Well, and I think that's a great point. And of course, it, you know, we tend to associate this, at least from what we've been told, with the elderly, the, the folks who are immune compromised. Um, I told a story a couple of days ago on the show of a 23-year-old. Uh, my son owns a, a share in an aircraft, and uh, one of the partners in that aircraft, a 23-year-old flight student, when the classes were canceled, went home to Toronto to spend time with his family, went into a Best Buy to buy a toaster. That was the only outing he made. And he's now in hospital in Toronto on a respirator. And we're talking a fit 23-year-old. Doesn't have any other issues. He's, you know, he's got a Transport Canada medical certificate for a pilot that's renewed regularly. So no other issues. And it can affect anyone depending on how it attacks the immune system. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the reasons. And we see the different mutations that are happening in stories like this all the time. And I, I guess I'm just doing my part to make sure that not putting myself or others in, in any higher risk than what it already exists. Very, very difficult times for everyone. I, obviously, there's there's stress on so many different levels, just the whole uncertainty. There's no doubt financial stress for people who can't work. How is that all playing out? What's the, the buzz on the street? Sure. So there've been a number of things. So it's, the the stress, Victor, that you talk about, it's, it's very real. And because when you are used to being out and use your home kind of as, as home base, but you're able to go out and socialize. And, and so that the stresses of actually now being confined to a certain space, that is in itself challenging. Then the realities of speaking to people in, in a number of the, in the industry. So I also work with a lot of professionals in the hotel industry. And as you know, Victor, the hotel industry has really just been decimated. Uh, there's been a decree here in Spain, for instance, where the hotels have been asked to shut their doors. So if you can imagine a hotel operating, and I know a lot of people are all around the world listening to, to us today, uh, but if you can imagine uh, Marriott or Hilton and being asked to close their doors for six weeks, and so having no income, not only does that affect the company, but it affects those thousands or hundreds of thousands of workers. And, and it's no different here. So when you are expected to go to work every day, and all of a sudden there's been a royal decree that says you're no longer allowed to go to work. That's also creating financial stresses for people. There've been lots of questions about if you don't have a income, how are you going to pay your mortgage or how are you going to pay your rent, which then affects a number of entrepreneurs, business owners uh, that now are expecting their residents, their tenants, their customers to be able to pay that are not able to do that. So that's creating also a financial stress on top of what can be already an emotional stress. So, and I think that we see that playing out pretty much around the globe. Some of the things that the government is doing to respond to that is providing uh, grants, providing loans, asking, and, and some of the financial institutions are also providing 60, 90 day relief. It may be basically placing those uh, mortgage payments on the back end 
of an already existing mortgage and things like that. So there's definitely an impact and we do see both government and private sector coming into play to realize that we, everybody has to do their part here. The primary concern here, of course, is the healthcare system, making sure that it, it doesn't get further overwhelmed than it already is. And if we look at Italy, for example, that arguably was a little bit ahead of Spain in terms of the progression of the disease, they've been locked down for over a month now, and they're just starting now to see their numbers slow down a little bit. We're seeing a deceleration in their numbers, but it's taken a full four or five weeks for that to happen. And there's a lag between any action that's taken to try and prevent the spread of the disease and it actually being realized in, in the numbers. What's the sense of people in Barcelona and in the rest of Spain? This is obviously going to be a very difficult time. What are people thinking? So right now, it's interesting you you talk about Italy because Italy right now, because it has been a couple of weeks before Spain, it's Italy is not only a cousin country, but is also the point of reference right now in a very similar way that you just talked about Italy and was reading earlier today that there continued to be an increase in the number of cases. However, the rate at which it's increasing has begun to slow down. Doesn't mean that we've stabilized yet. However, it's starting to point in that direction. And because of that, I think most people want to be able to see just mentally, see us get to the top, see us get to a point where things are stabilized. Because at that point, what we'll want to be able to do is from the stabilization is then see that it begins to decline. I think at that point, we'll start to give people more of a sense of hope, more of a sense of, okay, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And we know pretty soon we'll be able to start to get back to normalcy. People have talked about the way in which we will be able to reincorporate into the day-to-day life, talked about that it will be done on a wave basis. So not everybody at one time, they'll do it uh, very little by little. And, uh, and then that way we can also minimize another spread of the, of the COVID-19. So well, very, very difficult times, of course. Thanks for sharing the perspective of what's happening in Spain. Uh, Spain is a few weeks ahead of what's happening in North America. Mm-hmm. And so it's perhaps a, a forewarning of what's to come here. Uh, so, Billy, thank you for sharing that with us. And hope that everything goes well for the rest of your family in this difficult time. And appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much, Victor. I appreciate always uh, having the chance to share with you and, uh, and the listeners. Well, and for the listeners at home, you definitely want to take what Billy had to share here seriously. It can hit close to home. It's not just numbers. These are real people with real lives and real fathers and grandfathers and brothers and sisters and cousins. These are folks that are dear to us. We definitely want to keep them around. So definitely stay at home, wear a mask out in public. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.